Welcome to Redesigning High School, our little podcast for parents and anyone else who might be interested in how we can remake school for the benefit of students. My name is Terry DeBow, and I'm the director of special projects here at Hawken and teach some English classes. We wanted to take a second to introduce the uh, Meet the Team episodes. Um, in an earlier version of this, I said we'd run the same intro for all four of these uh, little episodes, but that seemed like a bad idea after I thought about it. So if you want to hear more about uh, the team and some of Julia Griffin's thoughts about the process of creating the team uh, that's going to design and then implement the Mastery School of Hawken, suggest you uh, listen to the first of these episodes. Um, but uh, let's just get to the team. So these are some fantastic people, and we really hope you enjoy these episodes. All right, welcome to Redesigning School, Julia Hodges. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, so we're on the Meet the Team episodes, uh, and so we're trying to meet everybody. So let's get to know you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background? Sure. Uh, so this is my, oh man, fifth year teaching at Hawken. Wow. Um, yeah, it's been exciting. Uh, prior to that, I taught in a couple public schools in Chicago and outside Gary, Indiana, Um and prior to that, I worked briefly as an engineer for GE Aviation. I have my undergraduate degree in aerospace engineering um, and then a master's in teaching when I sort of made that transition. So, so I did that. Like what what spurred that? Because aerospace engineering sounds fairly specific. Like you probably had an idea that you were going to do something around aerospace engineering when you were in that program. What shifted you? Yeah, I think um, so. I was always one of those kids that like I just loved everything in school. And so it was always like a really hard <laughs> decision to try to make. And I think I always sort of had in the back of my mind that I was going to work as an engineer for a while. And then eventually I was going to sort of like, quote unquote, retire and like become a teacher because I had always been really interested in that. So I, I graduated, got a job at um, GE that I liked, but I didn't like love it the way that I had hoped I would. I think um, specifically just like sitting in a cubicle or in my case, sometimes a bunker for. Um, <laughs> yeah. So delightful. Yes. Very delightful. Bunker for uh, jet engine testing, watching, you know, a bunch of strain gauges on a screen just didn't quite feel like what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Um so I moved to Chicago to be with my husband, and there's not not actually a lot of aerospace in Chicago, so that sort of forced a, a career shift a little bit earlier than I thought, and I decided to go into teaching. And how's it been? Do you like the teaching I part? love it. Yeah. yeah. It speaks to you in ways that jet engines don't? And bunkers. Fewer bunkers I'd say, here. Yeah, I don't know. I, like, I still really love jet engines, so I think <laughs> teaching engineering now has helped me sort of bring in a little bit of both of those things because I do I do miss it like I loved doing that stuff but I think um the level of personal interaction and, and sort of like immediate meaning perhaps I just like feels more comfortable to me so tell us a little about the engineering macro yeah it's been um it's been an adventure trying to design a, a course completely from scratch being kind of allowed to do whatever I want with it so long as it's focused on real problem solving and, and yeah. skills building. Um, so this is my third semester teaching the class, uh, not counting a couple sort of pilot projects the year before. Um, and it's been it's been its own sort of evolving iterative experiment. I've, I've taught the class at least a little bit different every every semester that I've done it, um, sort of following the exact same model that I that I want the students to do of learn from your mistakes, change something, see how that goes for, totally. for every successive project. 
Yeah, and just to make sure the re- uh, audience knows, a macro, can you explain a little bit about what a macro is? Sure, yeah. So it's a um, semester-long course that takes up four of the students' seven blocks, um, and it counts for three credits. So for my class, they get a science elective, a math elective, and an English credit, because I, I to many of their surprise and chagrin, uh, I make them do a lot of writing, and it's hard. Well, as frequent readers of the blog will know, you actually are a pretty great writer. Yeah, and are. I think you even told me at one point that humanities might have been your favorite class in high school. It, it was up there. Or a favorite. It was, it was hard for me to pick a favorite. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I, they were all a little bit my favorite. Well, as you were saying, you're interested <laughs> yeah. in everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, something we've been talking about a lot is um, individual growth and how the model that we use, the teaching and learning model in the Mastery School, really prioritizes individual growth. And I wonder when you think about your vantage point having taught the macro, having taught engineering, you know, particularly maybe in the semester form these last uh, couple times, what what kinds of stories of individual growth do you see? Have you seen? Yeah, it's been interesting and, and as their individual, they've been super varied in terms yeah. of what kids come in with and what they leave with. Um I think uh Many of the most common ones actually do surround sort of that writing piece, because I think a lot of kids sign up for engineering and they're like, oh, yes, this gets to count as my English credit for a semester. I get to take engineering instead of English. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, communication and effective communication is so super important in everything, including engineering. Um, And it's difficult to try to adapt to a different style of writing and being able to communicate your thoughts and actions and designs clearly. Um, so I think a lot of them will point to just their their growth in writing and communicating and presenting. Um, some other examples of growth that I've seen are, you know, kids that come in um, thinking like, oh, maybe I like math and science, like sort of interesting, but they're not very confident in their sort of engineering abilities or prototyping abilities. Some kids come in with tons of experience and some kids come in and they're, you know, afraid of all the machines and they sort of step back. Um and so to hear them sort of talk about the the confidence that they gain over the course of semester in being able to use tools and to problem solve um, and, and sort of tying into another common theme of being comfortable with that idea that there's not one right answer and that you need to, you know, do a bunch of research and test and prototype and figure out what you think is the best answer based on the evidence in front of you. Um, as opposed to sort of searching for that elusive, magical, correct answer that the teacher knows and is hiding from you. Right. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I know we talked about this a little bit on the episode most recently about about your blog post about failure, but there are the structural ways of getting students to really start to internalize that idea that there isn't a right answer and a wrong answer, um, but there are actually many ways to do it that I think the way the class is set up and structured gives to students those multiple passes and proves to them that it's not that Ms. Hodges made up a problem for you and she knows exactly the way to do it. And right. we're going to just all try to figure out what that one way is. Right. Make sure Ms. Hodges is happy. That's right. Yeah. That's not the goal. Yeah. They're definitely still, as we're two weeks into the school year, they're still in that phase very much right now <laughs> where they've just received their first authentic challenge of um, adapting a, a water toy for a young boy who has arthrogryposis, which is a, um, uh, I guess you would say it's like a, an orthopedic or a muscular um, disorder where lots of his joints are fused together. Um, mm-hmm. And they're, you know, sort of brainstorming their initial things before we uh, go to meet with him and asking him, you know, like, do you think he likes X? 
I'm like, well, I don't know. You don't know that. <laughs> How do you think you can figure that out? Like, he knows that. Right. Yeah. You have to talk to him. Yeah. So you're one of the pioneers who's taught a kind of a class that is going to be similar to what happens at the mastery school, at least part of what happens at the mastery school. Um, can you talk a little bit about your reflections having done it? Like, why you think... I'm going to assume this is true because you're on the design team. But like, <laughs> why I think this is an effective um, structure for the kind of deep teaching of engineering, but also some of these other skills that you're talking about. Yeah, I think um, there's several things that sort of tie into why I love this style of teaching. Um, I think one of them, previously having taught math um, and having you know to sort of struggle to both, quote unquote, cover the content um, – and get students invested in things uh, like particularly I taught all three years that I taught math here. I taught pre-calculus, um, which I refer to as the junk drawer of the mathematics <laughs> curriculum where we've just sort of dumped in a whole bunch of, you know, various concepts that are important and interesting for various reasons. But they're, you know, all jumbled together and taught sort of out of any meaningful context. And it's a it's a slog. It was my least favorite math class in high school. And I'd say that pretty consistently the kids that I taught in pre-calculus did not love it. Um, so I spent a lot of time trying to, you know, sort of do these gymnastics and cram in these problems and small projects to sort of lend relevance to some of the things. But it it was artificial and contrived the whole time. Whereas in a, in a course like engineering, we can hit a lot of those same <laughs> pre-calculus concepts because pre-calculus is extremely relevant to engineering um, but it's situated in sort of this authentic problem where you need to understand, you know, the trigonometry or whatever whatever concept you're exploring in order to solve this problem that's real that you care about. Um, so it, it not only helps for student motivation, but it also just makes it easier to actually understand it because you're not trying to memorize these abstract rules that don't seem tied to anything in reality. Like you have an actual context and, a, and an application and a reason behind it to to help make sense of like oh that's what that means and that's why it's important and it makes sense and it's it, it's more interesting and they I think develop a much deeper understanding of it you know it's that's such an interesting set of examples because I think we it's still really hard to free ourselves from the idea that we have to march them through a certain set of topics and trust that somewhere along the way maybe they'll get interested in it maybe or maybe not but maybe that doesn't really matter right. as opposed to thinking that we our job is to create an, a meaningful worthwhile context where it would be worth learning something right well and, and also then the rest happens yeah I mean sorry to interrupt but I mean it yeah. also seems like they learn it at a deeper level. I mean, I yeah. think it's not that dirty of a secret because it's not dirty and it's not a secret that people don't actually learn the stuff that they get tested on and get A's on. Right. You know, you can re right. retest someone three months later and they don't know any of it. So calling that learning is, you know, it's a collective, you know, lie that we tell each other. Maybe that's really strong, but right. it seems no, like that's I... what a lot of education is, is that we agree that we define learning in this really narrow way, which is something that we can test and but not retest because they won't have actually... The, the knowledge yeah. won't have endured. For sure. And I, I think math is often the victim of, of that assumption that if they've seen it, surely they've learned it. I mean, coming back to teach math after getting an engineering degree and working as an engineer, I had to reteach myself a lot of these <laughs> obscure math concepts because I never used them. And I was in an extremely math heavy profession. Right. Um, and and it's not, you know, I, they're interesting in and of their own 
being. I don't know. To me, like I, I like math. I find it interesting. But I forgot those things because I've never used them. And students that didn't find them interesting in the first place right. surely haven't learned them. No, not in a meaningful way. Right. So um, as we sort of wrap up here a little bit, can you tell us a little bit about what you're you're most excited about about this project? Yeah. Um, I think I'm just looking forward to, you know, being able to to do and expand the things that we're already sort of starting to do um, and especially being able to do so free of some of the restrictions that most traditional schools still sort of fall into with, um, you know, like, I mean, one of the biggest challenges teaching engineering is the, the grading piece of it. And how do I shift the focus mm-hmm. to feeding or uh, feeding feedback and skills and development and growth when I still have to periodically give them grades? It feels very uncomfortable and artificial. Um, and so, you know, being able to to get rid of those numbers and just focus on the feedback and when they've achieved mastery. Um, and then, you know, just being able to have a little more flexibility with schedules and, um, you know, having them totally in this mindset where they don't have to sort of shift gears to like, oh, this is my, you know, problem solving class. And now I go back to my 80 minute blocks of all of my other classes and have to balance that work. Um, I'm just excited to see what it looks like as sort of its its own standalone self-contained thing. Me too. And to think about, you know, when the students come out of your engineering class, like think about what they can do that they couldn't at the beginning of the previous semester. And then imagine if you got another semester with them, maybe not in engineering, but something else, but building on all that, the communication and the problem solving and the collaboration, like that is pretty exciting too, right? What does the, what's the next level? Right. Being able to have that progression as opposed to like one standalone thing where you've sort of started to, you know. I'd say leaving my class, they're certainly not experts in all of these things, but they've developed a set of, or they're developing a set of skills. Yes. Um, and, and yeah, being able to have a more intentional progression to let them really develop those, I think would be, I'm yeah. excited for yeah. it. Yeah, and some of those skills will be knowing how to do really hard math, yes. right? That they're going to have to do again in order to solve another problem, which right. may be more complicated. So I think that's all think, uh, very exciting. So listen, thank you for coming in. We appreciate it. We will be back. Try to get more Julia Hodges uh, on the podcast and blog posts and all that so but thanks for coming all right yeah thanks for having me thanks julia bye want to thank you for listening to Redesigning High School, our podcast. I uh, want to thank Nick Fletcher, who is our editor and the guy who makes all this work. Um, if you are interested in subscribing to our podcast, please find us on iTunes. We'd love a – or wherever you get your podcast. And we'd love reviews and all of that. We have a newsletter that goes out every month. You can subscribe to it by going to redesigningschool.org. Follow us on all the social media feeds and all the rest. And uh, just keep looking for more podcasts, which we're going to be coming out all year long. So thanks for listening.